Welcome to Able Active Moms. Jeremy Brown and his guests are here to help the struggling moms better understand and manage their time for personal health. Now here's Jeremy. Welcome back this week to Able and Active Moms. And today we've been talking a lot about um, women's health and adult health and kind of the lifespan of fitness. But today we're going back to a subject that I've really been looking forward to. And that is children's health and fitness and wellness. And this uh, concept of starting from a very young age to introduce activity into children's lives. So I have with me today, John Solomon of Project Play with the Aspen Institute. John, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Absolutely. I I really appreciate it Um, because uh, I really wanted to talk about like brush on the concept of physical literacy, which is sort of a structured idea of how we learn to be active maybe, or learn to be comfortable with fitness, I guess. And then how that's taking shape in the U S. And so that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to cover today. Yeah. Sounds good. Cool. Um, Well, I guess first off, so project play is, is the U S initiative for, for we'll talk about physical literacy, but for for keeping kids more active or helping to build this desire for activity in kids' lives. But it comes from the Aspen Institute, uh, which has been around for a while. What if anyone who doesn't know what the Aspen Institute is? Do you have a short version of this massive organization? Yeah, absolutely. So the Aspen Institute, um, we're a, a global nonprofit. Uh, it's been around since 1949. That really takes a, a deep look at some of society's biggest issues, you know, whether it's um, the economy, whether it's uh, education, whether it's health. Um, and one of the programs within the Aspen Institute is the Aspen Institute Sports and Society Program that I'm part of. And our main initiative, as you mentioned, is Project Play, which develops, applies, and shares knowledge to build healthy communities through sports. Uh, we really try to take a deep dive and look at, okay, what are some of the problems to get more kids physically active um, and what are some of the potential solutions and we do that through you know research through convenings through reports um, and through you know ideas that we try to put out into the sort of pump out into the bloodstream and convenings of like massive numbers of of minds throughout the entire industry right like we're talking about a lot of people meeting together to help gather this to help like coalesce this data and this information and this idea. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the key things about uh, Project Play that it was sort of built around is that there's not one simple solution to get kids more physically active and playing sports. First, just taking a step back, we know that there is a problem. It's just sort of established. There's a lot of research and a lot of data that um, children are less physically active um, than they used to be. All sorts of reasons for that. We may you know get into that a little bit later. But the idea is that there's not one industry, there's not one um, group or entity that can correct this problem. It really involves lots of organizations, lots of people, whether it's, you know, professional sports teams and leagues, apparel companies, um, public health leaders, schools, um, government agencies, and so on. So it's really this idea of of collective impact of people coming together and everyone sort of playing a role um, to try to help provide more access to so many kids who don't have access to physical activity. That's great. I, I like the concept of really hitting that all the way from you know, children in schools and social activities all the way up to to fitness brands and marketing 
from people from this like pop culture perspective (laughs) (laughs) because certainly that is massively influential probably more more than anything these days um so project play as an initiative is meant to help children be more active and that's the i guess the um the theoretical framework that it's built on which is just an interesting theoretical kind of idea that i'd like to cover is called physical literacy which came to be in about 19 in 1993 um, dr margaret whitehead introduced this concept of physical literacy um, which is just like it's like a a um a way to look at activity from a perspective from a different perspective right that like we become literate in languages you can also sort of become literate in languages of activity and become proficient and competent in languages of activity and that just like there's kind of peak windows for learning that as a child and becoming proficient if you start to study a language earlier in life you actually are more proficient at it throughout your life than you would be if you'd studied for longer later in life, right? And so then it seems to be, though we don't have all the research we'd like on it yet, it seems to be that physical activity is very much the same, where there's like a a place and time in our um, in our development where if we learn these sort of physical languages that it makes us more capable and competent through life, more so than if you tried, again, to learn those physical languages later in life. Is that kind of what yeah. you guys are working with, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so so physical literacy really is sort of the in our sort of how we find it, and there's lots of different definitions, but essentially it's the ability and the confidence and the desire to be physically active for life. You know, so Project Play's motto is sport for all, play for life. And so physical literacy really sits at the base of that sport for all, play for life um model. Um, with the idea that you want to provide children with the tools to pursue the most appropriate pathway for them as they enter their teenage years. So really it starts in that, you know, age six to 12 window um, of letting kids try different types of physical activities, different types of sports. Unfortunately, what's, what's happened in our country is that the model for sports and being physically active is built around um, this pyramid where you have a lot of attention, a lot of a focus on the elite athletes, even though there's a very, very small number of those, but that's a lot what a lot of the the programming, a lot of the mindset is sort of catered to. And there's also the competitive athletes, and then there's the, the recreational athletes. What we say at Project Play is we want to sort of square that pyramid um, and then up to age 12, focus on ability, confidence, and desire to be active. Then you get to those teenage years and depending on your body, depending on your interests, um, you're able to, you know, maybe you're you're specializing in, in one sport, one physical activity um, a lot more frequently or just entirely altogether. Um, maybe you're playing more competitively. But up to age 12, let's really focus on confidence, desire, and ability to be active. Interesting. Huh. I like that idea a lot. Um, that was not even exactly on my radar for today, but – and. Probably neither of us are, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we can ask you, but neither of us seem to be the experts on this, but <laughs> I have massive issues with children ages six through 12 being put into sports and driven through sports as though 
they are working their way to be competitive as well, right? Not being allowed to just enjoy and kind of drift around and kind of play. And instead, like even from a young age, people, like if you're going to be doing this, the goal for this is to someday be proficient enough to be a competitive athlete, which is maybe not the most healthy mindset for children. Right, right. What we're saying is the goal is um, be a healthy person your entire life, right? Yeah. Like so, so, so whenever you're done with your sports career, okay, you still have enough interest, enough desire. You're still healthy enough, right, physically and emotionally. You haven't been burned out. You haven't been scarred in some way or injured in some way from overuse injuries that you want to continue to be physically active into your 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, all the way throughout your life. Um, that's the ultimate goal. But in our country, it's often backwards, unfortunately, and it, and it often is the focus on the chase for the college scholarship or the pro dreams or winning games. And there's not necessarily anything wrong take, with you, you, you remove some of those, taking a step back that, sure, if the, you can be competitive and you can try to win, and, and, but, it, but it, with, within balance um, and, and it's yeah. certain um, understanding that that's not the ultimate goal. Yeah, that the ultimate goal is just about enjoying movement and enjoying life, enjoying physical activity, enjoying sportsmanship, and and gathering a passion for this that leads you through life. Uh, anecdotally, um, over the course of me doing like training people and working in um, kind of physical recovery or exercise recovery for twenty years, um, I have been getting younger and younger people, first people into their 30s and then 20s, and now people even into their teens that have injuries and issues through their hips and lumbar spines and cervical spines that I am not accustomed to seeing in people until they are in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. Wow. And it's mostly from sports and overuse injuries, like being pushed really, really, really hard in, in maybe in, in, a, in a multitude of sports too. It's like, well, we're just going to push you in all of these and, and, and take the fact that the children are kind of passionate about this and into this and kind of push, not help to create balance for the kids in what they're doing. But again, this was not exactly where we we're going to go for today, but that is one of the things that, you know, I get a little soapboxy about these days is like, let your kids be kids a little bit and let them enjoy this. And yeah, you're right. Like you can find a balance between being competitive and, and, and the important wanting to win and wanting to be good at what you're doing and knowing that that can still be about something fun and enjoying play. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things about physical literacy, you know, we have kind of these, the tracks of language actually maybe have more to do with different physical activities or physical abilities from the sense of like balance, running, yes, throwing racket sports. So that's why I assume you try to get kids involved in as many sports as possible or have them have their taste of as many different things as possible. Absolutely. I mean, one thing that's really important is that, um, to your point, um, there are so many kids right now that are specializing in one sport, um, particularly at early ages, and that's before they've grown into their bodies, their minds, and their interests. And by that, we mean, okay, if you're just playing one sport year-round at age eight, um, 
okay, at that time, you may be the best soccer player. You're the fastest, you're the strongest. What happens at age 12 or 13, 14 or 15? And if that is the only sport that you're playing, you know, that whole time for those four or five years, you know, year round, essentially, A, there's the risk of overuse injuries. B, there's the risk of of burnout. Um, And are you really developing your body and gaining the physical literacy and some of the skills that that are really needed because you're just moving the, the same body parts? Um, and to your point earlier about the overuse injuries in baseball, that's what's such a, a major issue. A lot of children are having uh, Tommy John surgeries, you know, elbow injuries at really young ages. I mean, we're talking high school ages even now, yeah. let, let alone college and, and adults, even before they get into college, because they're just throwing so many times all year round at tournaments and showcase events. So, yes, it's it's the idea of, OK, developmentally appropriate play and multi-sport play so at, you're at age six okay what does playing baseball mean at age six it doesn't mean throwing 60 70 pitches a game you know we know that right and so it's it's understanding the body movements what the science and the, what the research says of what's appropriate yeah so that someone has a wide variety of things that they can go back to later in life as well Right. So hopefully not only did you not burn yourself out on one thing, but you also have many different interests later in life to pursue or to find enjoyment in an activity. And because you, you never know what'll happen. Right. And it, Absolutely. You, you can, you can be great at baseball and um, as you said, and, and have an injury to your shoulder outside of baseball or a throwing sport, and all of a sudden this only sport that you were proficient in becomes unavailable to you. And the, that's a very hard on us, like emotionally and mentally, um, to then not be able to do something you love, but then to also not have any other physical outlet because you never really became comfortable or capable in anything else. Yeah, you, you have no fallback, right? Let's, let's think of even, say, like a, a football player, right? And football players tend to be larger individuals, right? Some of them are probably even obese, you know, would be classified as obese, say like an offensive lineman or defensive lineman, and you get injured um, and, and you're, you're, you're done. Maybe you can't play. Maybe you've had multiple concussions and doctors have said, you, you know, shouldn't be playing football anymore. Um, what do you fall back on um, to get your physical activity if you haven't played other sports? And the other angle also is, you know, let, let's say your interests have changed, which often happens right throughout one's childhood or one's life there you you may not just be interested in that sport anymore but if that's the only sport or physical activity you've been exposed to essentially throughout your life to your point you may think that's it what other options do i have you you act children actually have to be exposed to sports and physical activities for them to want to enjoy it to play it it's just not going to happen naturally yeah because as the one of the goals of all of this is for people to be is desire, right? Capability and desire and, and competence so that they, and that's again, like a learning window, right? So later in life, you can have the desire to do something else, but if you don't have the capability or the, or the, the, me, or you're not comfortable with doing something else, then the likelihood that you're going to pick up something else later in life is very low. Yeah. And what's also important, I think, to say, and I imagine your, your audience knows this, but like active youth 
do so much better in so many lifetime benefits, right? There's so much research showing that, you know, they're less likely to be obese. Um, they're more likely to score higher test scores um, academically. Uh, they're less likely to, you know, smoke or use drugs. Um, they're more likely to attend college. They're going to have um, lower levels of depression, higher levels of self-esteem. You keep going throughout their li livelihoods and they, there's research showing that active children will eventually have higher annual earnings, um, you know, e economically. Um, they'll probably have lower health costs, potentially be more productive at work. Um, and then ultimately, one of the great things about active children is that they then become active adults. And then they often are more associated with active kids of their own. So it becomes sort of this, this virtuous cycle. Absolutely. And actually that more than anything is what I am hoping to drive forward with this like whole show in general is this concept that active adults inspire active children and, and the benefit of that through the lifespan, the arc of the entire lifespan. So actually, I'd like to circle back to that. We're going to take a quick break for just a second. And when we come back, we're going to pick right back up with this idea of inspiring a lifespan of activity. Thanks. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Move Ed is a new exercise system developed from the latest in science and designed to help you feel your body in a whole new way. Offering free online videos, live online exercise classes, and wellness tips and ideas on social media. Move Ed has options to help everyone feel and move better. Check us out today and start your new journey into physical health. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Resiliency is the human capacity to lean into individual and collective strengths with compassion and grit when faced with the challenges of lived experience. Join host Elaine miller Karras for Resiliency Within, a program of hope and healing designed to inspire you to integrate wellness into your life, your family, and your community. In challenging times, you'll want to tune in every week. Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Welcome back to Able Active Moms. Have a question for Jeremy or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Welcome back to today's episode of Able and Active Moms. Today, I have with me John Solomon of Project Play with Aspen Institute. Again, John, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. And um, we, right before break, we're talking about physical literacy, um, Project Play, which is um, Aspen's Institute's initiative to um, to 
implement the concept of physical literacy and get children more active in sports at a younger age so that they have a greater competence and desire to be active later in life, just like generally more active. And um, right before break, we were getting to this idea that um, if you inspire your children to be active, then there is a lifetime cumulative benefit to that in like so many ways. And they are more active to more likely to be active through life and then more likely to raise active children, which will again have a, a positive benefit on, on their lifespan and then their children's lifespan. And I grew up in a very active household, right? And it's no surprise then that I do what I do and actually, interestingly enough, um, most of the people I found on the show, the same thing. They grew up in active households. I'm uh, talking to John, who has a lot of sports memorabilia and trophies behind him. So I'm assuming also that this was the case with you. I did. I mean, a lot of those trophies are, uh, you know, so from coaching. You know, I coach um, one of my son's teams. And um, it. you're right. Like, it, uh, adults play a huge role. Like, to... I think if it just with my own son, um, even just like joining the YMCA is, like, that we've done recently is a statement, right? Like he sees that we are going to make that effort, you know, five, six, seven days a week to go. And then he starts to go some more. And so there, there is also this idea of doing things together as a family that I think kids really value. And what better way to do that than, than being physically active it doesn't even have to be like you're the greatest athlete. You don't even have to be good at sports. It can just be going for a walk together or, yeah. or a jog together, right? Or, or a hike or, you know, go swimming or, you know, at the local pool. Just just instilling that, that desire and that confidence of being physically active is what's so important. And doing it with your family or at the same time building these really positive emotional foundations and relationships with this as well right where this is like not only something that i'm that i enjoy doing and i'm and i feel good when i do it and i feel confident when i do it but it reminds me of quality time that i spent with my father and my mother and my family um which that is irreplaceable time in life like you there's there's no way to to ever have that moment again later that's incredible um, but if you're coaching young children, then I assume that also came from you also then being playing sports when you were young. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Played sports, uh, you know, mostly soccer, but also some baseball and some basketball and um, try to do multiple sports. Yeah. And when we were, when we were young, things were not, things were somehow geared differently, right? I played a lot of sports as well. And the, there was no idea that anyone on the team was going to be a pro athlete or even going to have a college scholarship. In fact, if you said that that's what you were going to do, they're like, okay, calm down a little bit. Let's bring it down. Sure. That's a nice idea. We're here to have fun. Don't get your hopes up kid. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, back, back when I was growing up when I played travel, travel soccer using quotation marks, that meant um, just playing within the Washington DC area where I grew up one summer tournament a year out of, out of state, I mean, these days it is, you could be traveling state by state every weekend, many, many weekends throughout the year. So it, it's definitely changed. Yeah. I know I'm always shocked when I have clients who tell me that, oh, I'll be out of town next week. Where are you going? Well, we're driving to Minnesota. We have a travel soccer <laughs> game. 
Like what? The entire family's <laughs> like shutting down life because two of the kids have a travel soccer game two states over. Like, there, wow. there, there, there's actually a name for it that was dubbed. It's not by me. It's someone else smarter. I can't remember who, but it's called Turnications. It's a, a tournament slash vacation. And, and but that's people's lives. Like you, you spend a lot of money and time on these experiences. And for some, many, some families, it's, it's terrific, right? I don't want to yeah. like, like downplay, you know, some of the value of it, but it's, it's a lot of time and money. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of a strange concept, but it is really nice. I mean, it's a nice opportunity. Sure. We've never seen Minneapolis. We'll go there as a family. Here's a reason for us to do it outside of the tournament. We're going to like check out all the things in the city, take some hikes around the area. Like, I mean, it, it tends to be people with very active lifestyles, but it is very expensive and very uh, odd to my background. Right? I agree. My growing up. <laughs> anyway. But, but, but what I will say is what's, um, what that has done though, the negative of this is it's right, by having kids so scheduled and not just in sports, right? This could be academics. It can be the arts parents. A lot of times I would say these days over schedule kids. There's so much that the kids are being scheduled to do. It's taken away the free play. The idea of just going outside and playing with friends, um, playing with people in the neighborhood, making up your own rules and having to enforce them, right? And even <laughs> figuring out, you know, how to settle disputes over like, is that a foul or not a foul? Playing pickup basketball. That's changed. Like that doesn't happen as much these days for mm -hmm. kids compared for me growing up in the 80s and, and early 90s. Yeah, I do remember so many times making up rules for games and negotiating rules from the games as the game went on and, and all the accusations of cheating and lying and, you know, working that out. So there is a huge social learning impact of play potentially. I mean, just outside of a, being part of a team sport um, and how you negotiate being in a team, but then also outside of a team, negotiating interpersonal relationships just to work your way through play together, which interesting that that's happening less now, I mean, for, for better or worse, I suppose. Yeah. I would say it's probably for worse um, because free play is the time when it lets children be able to find their passion and their love of sports and physical activity, right? They're, they're playing it on their terms, right? So it allows them to be able to, dictate what that activity looks like, how competitive it is or isn't, you know, what the rules look like, who they're playing with, right? It's 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 all on their terms. Um, and then, yes, you could obviously take pick up play and move it to an organized activity, you know, in, in other realms, but free play is where you can imagine, you know, yeah. you, get, you get to find the, the love of moving your body. Yeah, I guess it's about these two things kind of playing off of each other, right? You're, you're, involved in something organized and that gives you a base skill set and uh, a confidence in using that skill set and then you can take that and then in free play time what are your skill sets what's your toolbox of activities you have to draw from to create play time for yourself fun time explore passions um how so like you live in a metropolitan area is it more challenging in, I mean, I live in Chicago, you're in DC. Is it more challenging in a metropolitan area to, to have free play for kids? Uh, well, I, I live more like in a suburban uh, rural type area than, than like than, than the inner city. Right. So, yeah. so no, in my case, no, because yeah. there's, there's a lot of grass. It's, it's yeah. there's a little bit of a rural area. There's parks, you know, yeah. 
um, and you feel safe, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, in in too many urban communities, there's there aren't safe places where they feel like they can go play, and so that's a that's a huge part of this when we talk about free play. That it's not just the when I mentioned like over scheduling. That is certainly a part of it, but there is real issues related to safety and just physical space like what yeah. what space is even available what is even safe to play on you know there may be you know broken bottles there could be you know drug paraphernalia um homeless people sometimes are in you know nearby parks and facilities so so all of those are are issues for especially for inner city youth yeah and uh, i agree i grew up in an area yeah. where it was easy in the neighborhood we had kids mm-hmm. in the neighborhood you have space you have yards you have streets i'm sure all the neighbors loved us playing basketball mm-hmm. constantly in the streets but but that was great for us and and i think that is a major reason i see um certainly my clients with children over scheduling children is because they're trying to create a structure of playtime because there's not uh, so much of an available free availability for playtime. Kids in the neighborhood can't go out and play in the street as easily. It's just not a safe and available thing, um, which is why I think it's so great that Project Play really works to get everyone involved in sports and puts emphasis on providing equity in sports as well and takes it into takes in consideration people who have less access or people who children who have less access or children who are less likely to get involved without it being as easy as possible without the least amount of friction right absolutely i mean the 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 reality is unfortunately like many facets of our society is that there's a haves versus have nots in terms of who can access sports and physical activity among children and it's sad to say but it's true if 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 you have more money you often have better access to be able to play on organized sports teams um oftentimes the coaching uh, may be better um sometimes the experience and the uniforms and, and all that can be better sometimes it can be worse it can be more pressure but if you're um, from a lower income household, I mean, we have data showing that they're twice less likely to be physically active than those from the highest income households. And so where do you get your physical activity if you're if you're in a lower income household? Um, most likely, it really needs to be at schools. Um, it needs to be through physical education, through recess, through physical activity breaks, through organized teams, whether it's, you know, middle school or, you know, high school sports teams. Unfortunately, more and more, there are challenges with schools, just like just to ed- there are challenges for them to educate our kids with limited capacity or for them to deal with our children's mental health challenges with limited counselors um, in schools. There's challenges for schools to provide quality physical activity to all kids. Um, you know, the, there are cuts that occur on teams, you know, and so where do kids go if they can't make a team or if they've never been even exposed to that sport to even have a chance to make that team? um pe the quality of pe in in some schools in some cities is is um is not good um in terms of getting kids interest and wanting them to to move their bodies um there has been some some good movement in some states in terms of requiring sets amounts of recess time um, which is good and i think increasingly there's more understanding from um schools that having physical activity breaks even within the school day is is very helpful and increasingly, um, a, a positive model is sort of this idea of like community school model and after having after school programming that um, you, you have the kids that they're already right there, you know, in your school. Um, for many parents, there's a need for 
childcare, you know, for, for after school, particularly for younger ones, you know, where do, where do they go? So let's have different types of programming right there within school, but by bringing in community partners and physical activity in some cases um, is part of this programming, whether it's teams or, you know, intramurals um, or other types of, of activities. That's fantastic. So <clears throat> this idea of how many different ways can we implement this, right? Like how many different places can we start to fit this in? And I assume that when when you have these meetings of the minds, that this is the sort of issues that come up and the sort of solutions that we you try to drive toward. Um, and uh, it's an enormously complex problem. Um, but I guess because you have a large scale problem, you also have many different avenues for solutions. Right, Absolutely. Places. I mean, that's that's the beauty of this is that it's it's one of the challenges, but it's also the beauty. The challenge is that there's no one silver bullet that's going to correct the challenges that have been happening here for many, many years. And that is that kids are less physically active um, and they're playing sports less. There's not one entity that's going to just be able to totally change that. The good news is, is that there are many entities that can play a role in collectively moving us to where we want to go and that's with more physically active kids it can be you know government you know setting certain policies um um, or you know or incentives um, or providing even you know finances and resources um, or research and data it can be schools um, because you have them within your building for for so long it can be you know public health officials with their research and their messaging Um, it can be all the way up even to include you know professional sports teams and leagues um, apparel companies, um, media outlets. Um, these are all various entities that Project Play works with because we know there's not just one entity that can that can correct this. Yeah, and if you you can have a m- huge kind of multidisciplinary approach to this, then you have a greater chance of creating impact. Um, and again, you are trying to change a very large thing, and it's. Um, it's interesting. I, I, how much is technology a driver, both for the issues we're facing and for the ability to change these things? Great question. Um, for the issues we're facing, I think it's it's fairly significant, right? I mean, yeah. for any parent who has kids, um, you see how they're spending a lot of their time, right? They're spending it using their phone, you know, playing video games. Um, doing things with technology, um, and that's uh, taking up a lot of time and attention. Of course, as parents, we can put restrictions, you know, on it and and encourage other types of behaviors. Um, there are a lot of people who um, sort of criticize and lament um, that video games are the cause of all these problems, right? And that that's why our kids are, you know, on their on the couch and they're just, you know, laying there and not not moving their bodies as much as they should. Um, and there's some truth to that, but the reality is video games and technology are smart because they are kid focused. They are giving kids what they want, the experience that they want. Um, think about if you play video games, you can play, set it at the sort of the competitive level of, of how you want to play. Um, you can do multiplayer or play individually. You can choose who you're going to play with, right? Playing with friends. Um, it's dynamic, right? It's exciting. It's fun. Um, you can be competitive or you can not be competitive. 
oh, by the way, you don't have adults looking over your shoulder shouting, you know, shoot, pass, or why did you do this? Why did you do that? Like we see in sports. And so my point is that um, that the people, I think, who are sometimes involved in youth sports and they want kids playing sports more who are critical of video games could actually learn a lot from video games and create a more kid-centered focus to youth sports um, that the way the video games do. That's really fascinating. I think that's great because it actually circles back to every point you made about free play before, right? That this is this is tapping into everything that free play creates that that free play taps into this um, you no parents in the background, you kind of get to set the rules and regulations yourself. You get to decide how intense or non-intense you want this to be. You get to work with other people or not. And so there's child, there's something that fits into um, child development and emotional development and development of their personalities that, that this taps into. And then how do we learn from that and use it as a tool to get kids back into sports rather than a, something that we're fighting against. Right. Yeah. I mean, project play, our number one strategy, we've eight strategies of how to get kids back into sports and physically active. And number one is ask kids what they want. And it sounds really simple and basic, but unfortunately not a lot of adults do it, whether you're a parent or whether you're a sports administrator or a, or a coach, right? It's literally like the kids ultimately are, are the customer, right? It's their experience, not ours ask them what they want at, at their certain practice, right? Ask them what sport they want to play or in what form or or how competitive. Do they want to play that sport the next season or do they want to try something else? Um, it's this idea that if you want kids to play and be physically active, it, it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's sport for all, play for life. It's the desire. It's the motivation. It's the confidence to be, to be physically literate and to be able to, to move your bodies in ways that are fun, not embarrassing, right? Like who wants to be embarrassed? And like, if you're, you're on a team and you're struggling or you're benched and not playing very much, or, you know, um, that's not fun. Um, who wants to go to a practice where unfortunately, like a lot of coaches, you set up practices and kids stand in lines, right? Waiting to waiting for their turn. No, let's, let's find ways to keep them moving throughout practices. Yeah. And see how they feel about what's going on and let them make the decisions on whether or not this is enjoyable for them and fun and building all of those positive connections that we want to build. Um, well, we're going to take just a quick break again, uh, but when we get back, we're going to talk, skip right back into talking about, um, you know, inspiring kids and maybe how parents can get involved in that and work to inspire kids more. So thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. Keep listening in. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Move Ed is a new exercise system developed from the latest in science and designed to help you feel your body in a whole new way. Offering free online videos, live online exercise classes, and wellness tips and ideas on social media. Move Ed has options to help everyone feel and move better. Check us out today and start your new journey into physical health. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Behind 
Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Able Active Moms. Have a question for Jeremy or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Welcome back to this week's episode of Able and Active Moms. We are talking kids' health and fitness and creating a desire for a lifetime of activity and a a good framework for a lifetime of activity. I have with me today, John Solomon of Project Play with the Aspen Institute. Again, thanks for joining again today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really enjoying this. This is great. I, I like talking about this kind of subject about like how this whole lifetime span of activity and how to inspire that. And, you know, there's so much research on the possible like negative impact of life cycles, you know, or family dynamics or family cycles. I think this is a really interesting positive impact idea of, of family dynamics and family cycles, how we can create something that's carried forth from generation to generation that has a really massively positive impact. Um, and, and toward that end, like what, what kind of advice do you have for parents or caretakers of children to start to build that desire in their kids to like have kids say, Hey, this is out there. I'm kind of interested in it. Like can you help get me involved in it? Because that's the most ideal. It's not like you get the kid and you say, you're going to do this, but you want them to come to you and say, hey, this is, I'm, I'm interested in this. Can we, how can you help me check it out? So right. how do we help them get that desire? Right. To your point, like, when does it ever work to tell your children, you must eat broccoli, right? Like, or, or else, right? Like, <laughs> doesn't work. It's going on the kitchen floor, right? It's not going to happen. So, it has to be um, interest. It's got to be fun. It's got to be, you know, exposure. So, you know, even at early ages, just, you know, go outside and play with your child, right? And, in you know, um, informal ways, you know, playing catch, you know, going for a walk, going running, um, and then continue to expose them to sports in, you know, developmentally appropriate ways, whether it's, you know, ad- advanced skills um, that are, that you can develop with them, even just watching sports, you know, on TV sometimes or physical activity or, you know, an event like the Olympics, right, where you can see so many different types of sports. Um, make, just make sure you're exposing them to different types of physical activity and sports and at the right ages and then follow their lead. Right. That's the most important thing um, that they're going to tell you whether they're they're interested in or not or their body language or whether they're they're They want to go somewhere to practice or the game or not, like follow their lead. If, if they're like adamant that they don't want to they don't want to keep going to practices and games, then, you know, 
I, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, quit during the season. Uh, I think that may send the wrong message, but but finish out the season and maybe it's time to move on and, and not have them play that sport or be yeah. on that team and reassess things. Yeah. Adamant is a good word, right? You want them to because you do have to strike a balance between you are the person helping to stru- create structure within their life and helping to make help them them to make good decisions. So you don't sometimes things are disappointing, right? You have a few bad games in a row and you get disappointed, you get bummed out, you don't want to do it anymore. You should be like, look, we're going to we're gonna keep pushing through this. Sometimes things go through rough patches, they get better again. So you have to find this balance between um, helping them understand life's up and downs and knowing when they're really just not enjoying themselves and they would be best suited to move on. Yeah. And, and, and move on to something else that um, they may like or that like that their friends may play like that. That's also often a good what a good sign or ability to get kids to be able to play um, is are their friends playing it? You know, when we survey youth, what's the biggest reason that they play sports? Number one is playing with friends. I mean, by far in every community wow. we do throughout the country and, and nationally, they want to be with friends. So find other sports that their that their friends are playing. Hey, Johnny's playing this particular sport. Want to give it a try? Oh, okay. And see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah, cuz in the end we are trying to build a social framework within this physical framework as well, which still carries over into adults. I mean, I so many adults who take fitness classes or join in a fitness trend because their friends do, or I play tennis now because that's what my friends do, or my friends and I go running together. So there's something massively social about fitness and activity. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up fitness. Just that word triggered me something I wanted to say, because when we surveyed nationally high school students about their sports and physical activity experiences within schools. This was part of our reimagining school sports project, a new playbook that came out um, in 2022. One of the key takeaways was that the menu of sports options being offered in high schools is not meeting the demand. In other words, there was a lot of interest from students in fitness type activities, whether it's like yoga or dance or strength training or um you know, um, archery. Archery was the number one sport, <laughs> would you believe, <laughs> that st- high school students said they most want to try. Um, and so we have to break out of this bubble a little bit and, and, and not think that football, baseball, basketball, soccer are like the only sports or physical activities that kids can do. And, and understand that when we say sports, it can mean many different things. And there are hundreds of sports and many different types of physical activities that students may be interested in, you just have to expose them to it. You got to ask them, and then you just got to build some structure and capacity around it to to give them the opportunity. Ask your customer what they want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. So, what is what is this twenty 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 two playbook that came out about? Yeah, yeah. So it was called um, Reimagining School Sports, and it was uh, a new playbook to how to get. Um, high school students, you know, grades nine through 12, more physically active and playing sports within the school setting. So we we did a, a year long project um, where we talked to many people. We also had an awards and gave out $160,000 to eight different high schools across the country that, that are doing really good work. Um, we, we put out um, smaller individual reports depending on the geographical settings of um, schools. So we had reports looking at, okay, what does school sports look like for 
large urban schools and small urban schools and large and small suburban schools and large and small urban schools and charter schools and private schools. And then finally, we have this playbook really trying to, to reimagine the model from one that is um, right now it's and for it's been this way for you know 50 to 100 years is very school centric that is when you're in a high school you're sort of there playing for the high school team right it's all about playing for the team the team and not necessarily anything wrong with that um per se but it's leaving behind too many kids is the biggest problem and really trying to shift the model more toward a student-centered model by beginning first what are the student needs what do they need and then building the capacities out from there interesting yeah, makes sense because, you know, we're <clears throat> talking about the general concept of physical physical literacy. This is about introducing something at a developmental point where children have a lifetime desire and capability and ability. But um, as you get older and you get into high school, often the concept of play is completely lost, right? You, when you play for a high school team, you're playing for the name of your school and so often if you are not good enough to play it in some way competitively then it's not even an availability to you anymore right and what what there used to be um at least you know dating myself but in the 90s like in high school my high school and i think a lot of high schools then had intramural sports okay even if you didn't make your high school team there was the opportunity to play within your classmates within the school setting a competitive, you know, type season tournament, you know, basketball or street hockey or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but you're right. When you, you get to a certain age, you get to eighth grade, you know, entering that ninth grade year. And if you're not making the freshman JV or varsity team and you're not playing like travel sports, where do you where do you turn to? Um, there are fewer and fewer recreational um, sports opportunities. And that's one thing that we're very big on a project play is that we believe one of the big answers is providing more affordable, quality, local um, uh, sports programming. But if you get to that ninth grade age and you can't make the team, you, unfortunately, sometimes your career is over. Yeah, it's true. And that's, yeah, I think, yes, more true now than it was um, just a few decades ago. Um, we are nearing the end of our time, unfortunately, because I think this is a great subject. I could talk for a while, um, but you had some interesting resources on the website. I think the Bill of Rights was really fascinating. When I read over that whole thing, that was what it was called. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's our Children's Bill of Rights in Sports. It's something that um, it was driven by Project Play. It was sort of this framework that was put together um, with multiple entities. Um uh, U.S. Center for Safe Sport was part of the uh, drafting committee with this, Center for Sport and Human Rights, uh, the Center for uh, Sport and the Law, Athletes for Hope, Power of Sport Lab. And it's this it's this principles, these ideas that every child has the right to play sports. Not, not just that you it's a nice to, it's a nice to have. You have the right to play sports. And then when you're in the care of adults, the human rights that you're born with need to be respected. Um, this isn't rights in terms of like go sue, right? Like legal rights. Like if you're not able to make a team, it's it's this idea that um, these are sort of guardrails and, and basic principles. So, you know, we we identified eight rights um, that we believe you know children should have. Working with a group of you know human rights and sports policy experts, we think kids should have the right to play sports. Um, they should have the right to safe and healthy environments. Uh, they should have the right to qualified program leaders. They should have the right to developmentally appropriate play. 
Um, they have the right to share in the planning and delivery of their activities. They have the right to an equal opportunity for personal growth. They have the right to be treated with dignity. And mostly they have the right to enjoy themselves. So it's a lot of what we've just been talking about in the last hour, but it's but it's kind of framing it more around um, basic human rights, you know, as opposed to just a, an add-on or a nice-to. Yeah, the, yeah, these people should be seen as people and then yeah. and they should be valued <laughs> for that. Um, and all that's available on um, Project Play's part of the Aspen Institute website, right, which is Aspen Institute. You can go to um, www.projectplay.us. And that will take you to all of our work, you know, like our um, Project Play Summit, which is coming up May 17th, 18th in Colorado Springs and many reports. And we have it broken down and also depending on sort of like what age you're you're looking for. Amazing. Great. Perfect. Anything else you'd like to share with us today? We have just a few more seconds. Uh, thank you so, so much, John, for joining today. I can't thank you enough for this. It no, I appreciate cool. it. I enjoyed it as well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, Maybe season two, we can come back and talk about something else. I, I, I look forward to it. Uh, but that's it for this week. Next week, I'm actually going to have my mom on to talk about um, her lifetime of fitness and keeping inspiring her children to be fit and active because we kind of all are. So listen in to next week. Mom's going to be joining us. Um, I'm super excited about that. And um, everybody have a fit and active week. Thanks a lot for listening in. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Able Active Moms. We hope the moms out there have learned something useful to help them with their own lives. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week.